are listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host for the week, Trisha Brown, and this is episode number 403.5. Welcome to the show, everybody, and welcome to March. I don't know about all of you, but so far in 2023, and we're like a sixth of the way through now, so maybe this is a pattern, my reading has been super random. I've been jumping around. I think I've started like four different series. I've read in probably half a dozen different genres. I don't think I've been able to finish an audiobook yet in 2023. But one of the things that I have been kind of intentional about and trying to do is reading more of the books that I already own, some of which I have owned for years and others that maybe more like six months. But the first book that I think really captured my undivided attention this year is one that I bought way, way back in 2019, truly a different time, at a bookstore in Madison, Wisconsin, during the only day I've ever spent in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, The book is a beautifully written essay collection about searching that brought to mind another essay collection that I happened to be reading during the same time in my life when I bought the one that I just finished I will actually tell you more about them, including their titles, in just a minute, right after we take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, now that we're back, I'll tell you that the reason I was in Madison, Wisconsin for a day during the summer of 2019 is that I spent the better part of that year traveling around the U.S. to see and learn more about the communities in the country where I live and work. And I don't know what it was that drew me to the book, and it begins like this by Latanya McQueen. I don't know what it was that made me pick it up, but when I bought it, and about four other books, because that is how things go, the salesperson at the bookstore, the bookstore was called A Room of One's Own, made it a point to tell me how glad she was that I was buying And It Begins Like This, because it was excellent and in her opinion, not getting as much attention as this particular bookseller thought it deserved. And I don't know about you, but indie bookseller validation is right up there with librarian validation in terms of making me feel like basically I can do no wrong in terms of book selection. Anyway, for various life and TBR reasons, maybe you all can relate, I didn't get to And It Begins Like This for nearly four years. But recently, I spotted it right there on my bookshelf, I think it was when I was putting books back on the shelf that I had taken off so that I could move the shelf for the Christmas tree. Doesn't matter. Anyway, I spotted it and I kind of decided now it's time. So the book is an essay collection. Like I mentioned, it's by Latanya McQueen. And although every essay can stand alone and carries what I feel like is a very lasting impact, there's a theme running through the book 
of McQueen considering her family's history, both broadly and in her specific effort to better understand the circumstances of her great-great-grandmother, Leanna, who was an enslaved woman whose children ended up with the name of the white father who had enslaved Leanna when the children were born. So that is a specific theme, but the book also feels much bigger somehow. The stories are about racism and culture, but they're also both deeply personal and at times felt to me very lonely. And not in a way that suggests that racism and ignorance aren't rampant and having a broad impact, but more like in a way that connects that impact to one person and one family in a way that I felt really resonated. The book is short. Um, The essays are pretty short. The sections within the essays, are they're kind of like chunked out into sections. Those are also pretty short, you know, anywhere from three quarters of a page to maybe a page and a half. And the book itself is fewer than 130 pages, but it is definitely not a slight book. McQueen is an incredibly gifted writer, and it felt to me like every single word in the book was intentional and meant to do exactly what it is doing, what I felt like it's doing at least. The themes of the chapters, archetypes and homes, for example, reveal themselves as you're reading, but McQueen doesn't rely on exposition, and frequently she doesn't even rely on explanation. She states facts, she tells the story of something that happened, again, in a really beautiful way, but then she trusts the readers to hear what she's saying with the limited number of words that she's using. And I think the beauty of the way that she writes will have me coming back to this book probably for years. There is one chapter in which she footnotes a map of Columbia, Missouri and the University of Missouri where she was at the time that she's telling the story. And it's one of the most effective ways that I can think of or that I can remember of telling two versions of the same story or two perspectives on the same experience. It's honestly just, it's an incredible book. It is, this is probably the most concerned that I've ever been that I'm not doing justice to a book that I've talked about on this podcast. But I will say that that salesperson at that Wisconsin bookstore could not have been more correct. So pick that one up. Now, the second book that I want to talk about, the book that I kept thinking of as I was reading, and it begins like this, is a book called Buttermilk Graffiti, and that's by Edward Lee. Lee is a fairly well-known chef, I think. Um, Buttermilk Graffiti is his second book after one called Smoke and Pickles. And I'm pretty sure he's done some kind of like cooking TV show. Top Chef, maybe? He was like a chef or a judge. I don't actually really know how Top Chef works because I haven't watched it, to be honest. I am not much of a cook. Funny story, I had actually eaten in one of Edward Lee's restaurants in D.C. and had no idea until someone told me long after I'd read the book that he was a big deal. I finally put it together. All of that to say, I did not buy this book because of the recipes, although you could. There are a few recipes at the end of every chapter. Um, I'm sure they are excellent. But I bought it because the majority of the book is essays on Lee's travels around the country to uh, understand the often layered culture behind the food that we eat in the United States. And since I was at the time also traveling around the country to kind of understand a little bit better, this seemed like a good fit. Lee's focus was obviously a little bit more on food and cooking, or as he puts it in a quote from his introduction, quote, this book is the story of American food. It is a recollection of people and places that help paint an image of where we came from and where we're heading. 
So much of what we think of as traditional American cuisine is being challenged. We're witnessing a reshaping of the food landscape, and it's thrilling to some, obscene to others. And that is when it becomes interesting to me, when that tension between two vastly different cultures creates something new. End quote. This is Trisha again. I actually did read Buttermilk Graffiti the year I was traveling, and I think about it a lot. In fact, if I were going to pick up any book for recipes, it would be this one. But what really makes me think about it and what brought me, what brought it back to mind when I was reading um, Latanya McQueen's essays is that, as I mentioned up front, this is also a book about searching for something. Lee's stories about people and places and food are intertwined with his own life and family and history. He talks, for example, about learning during his first of two trips to Seattle that his father was dying. And when he returned on the second trip years later, how he's able to see the parallels between his father's relationship with food and that of a generation of Scandinavian Seattleites based largely on the Ballard neighborhood, for those of you um, who, who know the Seattle area. And all these people, these Scandinavian Seattleites who come together on Saturday mornings for pancakes but not really for pancakes, more because of a shared culture. Because frankly, uh, according to Lee, at least the pancakes aren't very good. But anyway, you can read about that. Uh, Lee's book is about how the food that defines a place is a reflection of the people in that place and how both grow and change. The Korean cuisine that grew dramatically with the Korean population in Montgomery, Alabama, when Hyundai opened its first U.S. plant in Montgomery, hasn't, as of at least Lee's writing, quite started to overlap with the southern soul food that dominates in Montgomery, Alabama. But what Lee finds is that some of the culture that he'd hoped to look for, some of that blended culture in Montgomery, he actually finds in a Waffle House outside of the city. Lee's book is about discoveries like that that are both intentional and accidental in that he puts himself in a place and just kind of leaves himself open to whatever might happen once he engages there. And luckily for us, at least I think, he tells us the story of what happens when he does. So there it is. Uh, Two beautifully written essay collections about people both observing the world and looking for something in it. Links to both, and it begins like this, and Buttermilk Graffiti are in the show notes, so you can click on those wherever you're reading now. A huge thanks again to our sponsor, and of course a huge thanks to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink. And last but not least, a huge thanks to you, of course, for listening. If you're looking for more recs or general bookishness, you can always check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or you can just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. As I mentioned, you can find the books I mentioned today in the show notes, either on your podcatcher or by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. Remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show a little love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate the review and it does help other book lovers find us. If you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And in the meantime, until we talk again, please take good care and happy reading. Happy reading.